Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So all you got to do is look at someone's treasure and you'll know where their heart is. How do you do this? Give me your day planner. Give me your checkbook. Give me your phone. Let me see what sites you're looking at on social media. I'll tell you where your treasure is and that's where your heart is. Let me see on Facebook if all your posts are about politics or if they're about Bible verses sharing the scripture with somebody else. Read the Bible, folks. You know, you know one, the Lord revealed this to me last week. You know one of the reasons why Jesus got crucified? Because he refused to be a political leader. They wanted a Messiah that was going to be a president. They wanted a Messiah that was going to make their life easier on earth, that would give them favored status. And Jesus said, I didn't come for that. I came to give you eternal life. They wanted something from Jesus that he wasn't coming to give, so they killed him. We do the same thing. If Jesus don't give us what we want, we, we don't kill him. We just turn our backs on him and walk away from him. I don't have time for you, Jesus. I want to make up my own rules now. And we're hungry and thirsty all the time. But if we hunger and thirst for rightness with God, we shall be filled. If you're feeling empty, if you're hungry and thirsty, I'm speaking in the spiritual realm now, it means you're not hungering after the Lord. You're hungering after your own selfish desires, which is going to lead you away and entice you to sin, and that's going to destroy you and your family and everybody around you. Because sin affects everything it touches. The wages of sin is death. Everything sin touches, it kills. Let's look at this, because a lot of people default this way, and they don't realize this. Not to make a decision is a decision itself. Well, I'm just not going to decide. I'm just going to wait because that, that's too much to think about. You've just made a decision. Because then all your life's going to be run by default. I, 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 I don't, I'm just not going to pay my car payment. I don't want to make a decision. Then, then you're going to see the tow truck come and tow your car off and repossess it. You have to make a decision. Who are you going to serve? Because if you're not making a decision to serve God, you're serving the devil. We'll just put, yes, there is a devil. <laughs> Newsflash, there is a devil, there is a heaven, there is a hell. It exists. The hell was not made for Christians. It was made for fallen angels. But if you don't want to follow God, you don't want anything to do with God, the only other place you can be when you die is hell because if you don't want God on earth, you sure don't want him in heaven. People think, oh, I'm just going to change when I die. If you spent your whole life not wanting God, not, not wanting to do anything with him, why would you want to go spend your whole eternity with him? It doesn't make sense. So the only place left for you is to go to hell where he's not at. Does that make sense? Somebody got it. 
People are like, I'm just going to hate God all my life, but when I die, he's going to save me. I'm going to, be, I'm going to go be with him because I just want to be with No, you don't want to be with him on earth. You sure don't want to be stuck with him forever. It's common sense. It's analytical. I want to tell you this story. It was in this book. The guy who wrote this book, he was a police officer before he became, uh, a, he became a pastor. He was president of a college. And he used to fly around a lot. And he was on a plane with this man. And this man was like all skittish. And he, he said he thought it might be a terrorist because the guy was. <laughs> so he said to the guy, what's wrong? He said, I'm afraid to fly. He says, the first time you flew. No, I fly every week. I'm a salesman. And here's what the man said. If I could meet the pilot, I wouldn't be so afraid to fly. If you could meet Jesus and you would know Jesus, you wouldn't be afraid to live this life because Jesus loves you. But you're, you're going to church and you're winging it and all these things, but you don't know Jesus, so you're afraid. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to be afraid. You're not going to be afraid of life. You're not going to be afraid of death because you know Jesus died for you and rose from, he's going he's to take care of you. But if you don't know Jesus... You're always going to be afraid. Does that make sense? How do I get to know Jesus? Anybody in this room ever went on a date? Anybody in this room ever dated someone? Anybody ever in your life? How did you get to know the person? You spent time with them. When you on that first day with that person you love, were you looking at your watch the whole time thinking, oh, I gotta, I gotta get home and watch American Idol? No, you wanted to be with that person all day, all night. Your mom and dad had to make you come home because you would stay up all night to be with that person. That's what Jesus wants. You would take time to figure out what the person's favorite color is, what they like, what their birthday is. The story of their history, it's right here in this book. If you want to know about Jesus, it's all right here. There's 66 books that tells you all about Jesus. That's how you get to know him. Does it make sense? And the more that you know him, the more that you'll love him. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. This could be one of the most important statements I make until I get to the salvation part of the message is C, decisions determine your destiny. I want you to think about that right now for a minute. Every decision that you've ever made in your life has put you where you are today. It ain't mama's fault. It ain't daddy's fault. It ain't the job's fault. It ain't some pre previous pastor. You made a decision. That's where you're at where you're at. You. It's called free will. That's what separates us from animals. 
we can make decisions and those decisions determine our destiny. So I'm not a math teacher, but I can figure this out. If I wanted to change my destiny, I'm going to change my decisions. Because if I still make the same decisions I've made for the last 58 years, I know I don't look 58. If I shave the beard, I look like I'm in my 20s, people say. I'm in, I'll be in the same place if I live to be 116, which I don't think my body structure can handle that right now. But I've got to change my decision starting today if I want to be in a different place. If I decided I want to be a, a, a famous song person and travel around the world and sing, which that ain't going to happen because I don't have the gift, I'd have to practice every day. If I wanted to start on the Leilahua football team, I'd have to go to practice every day with them. I can't just show up at the game and say, I want to play, coach, put me in. I've got to go out there and sweat three or four hours every day like all the other kids did. Then I will rise above. But if I, if I don't, I'm not going to play, and I shouldn't expect to play. Now let's transfer that over to the spiritual realm. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. If I'm not willing to pick up trash on the parking lot or change the garbage or clean the toilet, how would I ever be able to teach and preach and lead other people? You have to be a servant to be a leader. You don't... But everybody's not made to be a teacher. It's not their gift. And what happens is when, we get in, when you get in somebody else's lane and start to do what they're doing, it messes things up. We've got to stay in our own lane their own gift. Because if the body was just one big hand, we'd be in trouble. The, the body is a hand, a foot, eye, and all that. So we've got we to use our gift in the place we're at and it's all going to work. So let's take a look at this. Matthew 6, 31 through 34. Therefore, do not worry. I just hit the nail right on the head. Boom. Everybody in this room is worried about something. I'm worried about what you're thinking about, what I'm saying right now. Well, I offend someone. saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For all those things that the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows what you need, all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, hunger and thirst for righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Look up out of the pit, Quit looking in the mirror, quit looking at the snakes, quit looking at your neighbor, look up at Jesus, and all the things you're worried about will be provided for you. You want to be a better husband? Look at Jesus. Because it says in Ephesians, the way Christ died for the church is the way we're supposed to be husbands. We want to lay down our lives for our wives. So to worry about ourselves, being so selfish. I'm at the front of the line on that one. Very front. My selfishness, I made a commitment 27 years ago for better, worse, richer, and poor, sickness, and health, but have I lived up to it? No, I haven't. And God's checking me, and I'm going to, I'm going to be the person I should be. I'm going to hunger and thirst. See, I'm not going to try to be a better husband. I'm going to try to be hunger and thirst for Jesus. When I'm right with Jesus, I'm right with everybody else. If I'm not right with Jesus, I won't be right with anybody else. I just got chill bumps. I just gave you the secret to life in your relationships. 
If you're not right with your spouse or someone else, you're not right with God. That's scripture. You want to argue with me? Don't argue with me. Read the Bible. Read Ephesians. Don't, don't argue with me later about this. Read, read the Bible. You with me? Because I'm preaching to myself and hoping you get benefit from it. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Everybody's so worried about tomorrow. What's Dr. Fauci going to say next? <laughs> I don't care what Dr. Fauci says. I care what Jesus says. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't say one day do one thing, the next day do something else. He says the same thing every day. If I'm following Dr. Fauci or the scientist, I'll be messed up. I'll be in the pit. But if I look up to Jesus and I hunger and thirst for him, it's not going to matter what anybody says. That right there will set you free. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I, you know, Dale Carnegie said this. I read his book, How to, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And he says 90% of the things we worry about never even happen. 90%. But we expend all this emotional energy. The Lord's been teaching me. Have you ever seen an hourglass where you turn it and the sand goes through? We only have so much emotional energy per day. And when we spend energy on other things, it gets dissipated, things that aren't important, and there's nothing left. So every day if we turn it up and seek the kingdom first, instead of about what somebody else was thinking, there goes some sand out of your hourglass, what my past was, there goes some more sand, who's saying what on TV, there goes some, before you know you're empty, you have nothing to give anybody else because you're so worried about everything else. That's the, that's the, root, the root of it. You're worrying... Let me, let me reverse the tape. You young people don't know what a cassette tape is. We used to be able to push the tape and reverse it. We are worrying about so many things, and that's why we're so messed up. Matthew 12, 1 and, or Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We're coming down to the end here. I'm getting excited. I'm hungering and thirsting for Cane, a caniac with sweet tea. That's why I'm so large. What are you hungry and thirst for? <laughs> I should be hungry and thirsting for a salad and water. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that set us before us. Here's what I've been saying all the sermon. Looking unto Jesus. Not my problems. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Number D. D's not a number. It's a letter, right? Letter D. 
We get into trouble with our desires, our decisions, and our direction when we take our eyes off of Jesus. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to, uh, I'm not going to read this thing, but I'm just going to say it to you. You're all familiar with the story of the prodigal son? It's found in Luke chapter 15. Two boys had a rich dad. In the Jewish culture, you had to wait till your dad died and that had split up the money. And the boy came and said, I want my money now. I don't want to, basically said, I hate you. I don't want to be in your house. I just want my money. I want to go out and do what I want to do. So his dad being a loving dad, Gave him his part of the inheritance. He went out. He spent it on prostitutes, gambling. Not, I don't think they had nightclubs back then. Maybe they did. Candlelight clubs or whatever. And he ended up in a, this is where he ended up. He had all that money. When, when he was home with daddy, which is the heavenly father, he had everything he needed. All the food, everything. But just in a short period of time of turning away from Jesus and falling in the pit, he ran out of money. So he hired himself, he started working for a pig farmer and he was so destitute he was trying to eat the slop and the stuff that the pigs were eating. Because instead of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, he hungered and thirsted for money, he ended up in a pig pen eating slop. And he rose his head up and he looked up and said, this is stupid. My daddy got money. This is the John version. My daddy got money. I'm going home to my daddy. But this was, he had a heart change. He said, I'm going to go and tell my dad I'm sorry and I'll be a servant in his house. He humbled himself. He repented. He started walking home. Daddy was sitting on the lanai in the hammock. Hawaiian version. But daddy was looking every day at the road waiting for his son to come home. That's how much your Heavenly Father loves you. You've turned away from Him. You've demanded your thing. You've, you've walked away from Him. You've cursed Him. And He's still looking for you to come home. Now here's what a legalistic daddy would have done. You go out there and tell that boy he's not welcome to this house until he makes amends and pays all that money back. Blah, blah, blah. That's legalism. That's religion. Pharisaical condemnation. But you know what he said? He's, he ran to meet his boy. He put a coat on him, which means you're accepted. He put the ring on him, the seal, which means you can do business. And he said, Welcome home, my son. And the son started trying to explain. He said, No, don't. I love you. Come on in. And the older brother got mad and slammed the door. The legalistic brother that stayed and served father, but he hated his dad. He did. He hated him. Because he was angry at every decision his dad ever made. But he was there. Dad said, go get the best calf we have. Let's, let's have a party. Let's just rejoice. I ain't coming to no party. That son of yours, no way. I want anything to do with him. So really, he had left the father too. He was in church. Let's bring it home. He was in church, sitting in church every Sunday. But he hated his father. 
I have to do this because I was raised this way. People make me go to church. Sometimes you think going to church is like going to the dentist. It's, it's worship. It's beautiful. <laughs> make me go to church. I used to hate going to church when I was a kid. Couldn't stand it. But you know, when I was drinking and drugging all those years, I heard all those songs, Amazing Grace, all those Bible lessons. I ran back to the Father because I was raised for, in the church. Because the Holy Spirit brought remembrance to those things that I've been taught. So I want to ask you a question. Three questions. What are you hungry and thirsty for today, and how's it working for you? Because if you're not hungry and thirsting for rightness with God, you're going to be empty. Nothing's going to satisfy you. No boyfriend, no TV show, no contract for singing. You could, you could win the Super Bowl five times. You could do all. You're not going to be happy. Because God made you and put, a, put something in your heart to be with him. Here's the real kicker. In the story we just read, which of those persons do you identify with? Are you the boy right now that's ran away and you're eating hog slop when you know your heavenly father's got everything for you? But you're out there eating hog slop. You're eating a bologna sandwich. You can sit down and have a filet mignon and crab legs. But you're out there eating garbage off the floor knowing that your heavenly father has everything you need. He already told you, don't worry about it. But you're out here eating hog slop. You're, just, you're slopping in the mud like a pig. Are you the brother that never left the house? That's condemning everyone else. I'm glad I'm not like him. I didn't run away from daddy. I sat here and did whatever he wanted. I hate him. Wish he'd die so I can get my inheritance. Church is full of those kind of people. I don't want them coming back until they've said they're sorry and fixed everything they messed up. I don't want, them, I don't want to be around them. I'm not going to talk to my son until he apologizes. I'm not going to talk to him. I'm not talking to any of my family until they, until, they, until they ask for my forgiveness. If you're a Christian, that's not spiritual. That's against the word of God. People don't deserve forgiveness. You didn't deserve it. You received it as a free gift. And the Bible says, after the Lord's Prayer, if you don't forgive others, you are not going to be forgiven. How do I know I've forgiven someone? I won't keep rehearsing the wound over and over every time I meet you. I want to tell you about all these people. You haven't forgiven them. Because you could be praying for their salvation instead of... You've got to earn their trust back, but you don't hold the sins of the, that they've done against you against them. You with me? Because I'm preaching to myself. I'm having to come to Jesus moment up here right now. I'm thinking of people I need to forgive biblically, not selfishly, so I can get something. Most important point of the day. Would you be willing to try delighting in the Lord and hungering and thirsting for righteousness with him today for your salvation, for your sanctification, and for your baptism with the Holy Spirit? We have Christians that are going to heaven. They have eternal life, but they're not sanctified. They're not filled with the Spirit. They're filled with a nature that's ugly. It makes people not want to be around them. 
They'll go to heaven because Christ died for their sins, but their life is miserable and they let everybody know it and they want to make everybody else's life miserable all around them. Salvation is by grace through faith. Okay? It says in Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave, you'll be saved. End of the story. You're saved. You're going to heaven. Sanctification is a different story. Just imagine this right here is a book. I'll explain sanctification and salvation. This is a book right here of my past sins. This is like one day in my life. Okay? So I lay that on the altar over here. And I ask God to forgive my sins, come into my heart and be my Savior. That's great. You have eternal life. This book here, this is sanctification. This is the rest of my life from today forward. Who I'm going to marry, what job I'm going to take, what my vocation is going to be, what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I'm going to put that on the altar and let God, I'm going to consecrate my life on the altar. And God's going to do like he did in the Old Testament. He's going to, with fire and with power, he's going to, Sanctify and pull out all the sinfulness out of me in the carnal ways. It doesn't mean I won't ever sin again, but at this moment I'm going to be healed of the sin of, that was given from Adam, and I'll be sanctified. And then I can ask the Lord to baptize me with his Holy Spirit, and then I can hunger and thirst for righteousness and be filled and be the person God made me to be and make the world a better place. So I, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you three choices. I'm not going to beg and plead and pull your hand and jerk you because if you don't want to do it, it'll just be like the son that stayed home. Okay. You'll go home and say, I got saved today. <laughs> Instead of saying, praise the Lord, man, I got saved. Something happened. My life changed. Man, I'm on fire. I'm on fire for the Lord. But the reason some Christians aren't that way is because they need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're saved, but they're not sanctified and baptized. So they're miserable. So I'm going to say a prayer right now. If you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, all you have to do, this is easy as ABC, admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned. Confess and repent. I've ran away from God. I've, I've, I've broke his laws. And I want to change. I want to be different. I want to turn back to God. I want to be like the prodigal son. I want to go home to God. Jesus, come into my heart and life. I'll say a prayer with you. Save me. Then I'm going to say another prayer for those people that are Christians, but they're like the brother that's just angry and bitter, and you're, you're basically of no use to God's kingdom. You're going to heaven, but you're not doing anything to help God or his cause. You're just an angry Christian. I want to ask you to consecrate your life to God, let the fire of the Holy Spirit baptize you and sanctify you and set you free. And you're going, to live the, you're going to live this life. You're going to live this life where there's, you're, you're in a fire and then you're looking around, there's somebody else in the fire with you. You're going to go through fire and never be burnt. Wouldn't it be smoke on your clothes? You're going to walk through streams. I mean, it's, it's the most exciting life you could ever imagine. So I'm going to pray with you. For those right now, you can bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to pray with you. If you do not know for certain if you die today, you would go to heaven and be with Jesus Christ, you need to know for certain. And the Bible says you can know for certain. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. 
I believe in my heart that you died on the cross for me and you rose from the grave and you paid for my sins and I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. Done deal. If you pray that prayer, tell someone that loves you. Tell your auntie, mother, brother, sister, somebody's been praying for you a long time. And let them help you grow in your faith. Next, you're saved, but you have not laid the rest of your life, the book of your life, what God wants you, you've, you've held this to yourself. You're making your own decisions, who you want to marry, where you want to go. Put the rest of your life on this altar right here and, and consecrate your life to God and say, Lord, let the fire fall and sanctify me wholly through and through so I can have peace and I can be all that you made me to be in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So I want to say this prayer for those of you who are angry Christians, you're fearful Christians, you're unforgiving Christians, you're all these things that Christians, Christian means follower of Jesus Christ, that Jesus wouldn't do himself. And I want to ask you if you will pray to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to let the fire fall on your life and cleanse you and purify you and break the chains of everything that's got you in addictions, that's got you doing things that you don't want to do, that's taking you to places you don't want to go, and you can't sleep, you have no peace, I want to ask you right now in the name of Jesus to ask the Lord to sanctify you. But you must tell him, Lord, I give you my life. Please, Lord, sanctify me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.